We come into this world as light. We leave this world as light and in between the inhalation and the exhalation, the in-between, there is the first breath and the last. And in between there is the singing and the walking and the talking and the hopes and the dreams and the descent and the crisis and the wonder and the taking of the toast and tea. And there is a light, a light shining in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it, all of it. What do we do with this story? Why are we here? Is it because, like the poet Mary Oliver, we want, we want to see Jesus? I mean, maybe in the clouds or on the shore, just walking, beautiful man. We want to see him before the 2,000 years of crushing story and the colonisation and the racism and the patriarchy and the violence, before all that, when he was just, just a baby, a wee child with the light shining through his tiny starfish fingers. Or maybe, maybe we are here to gather around not so much a man or a God incarnate spirit in flesh, but instead to gather around a story. A story that folk have been gathering around for so long simply because it fills us with hope. Hope that the light cannot be overcome by the dark. Hope from the late old English hoper, meaning confidence in the future. God as basis for, from the 12th century, expectation of something desired. Trust, confidence, wish. Also late 14th century, the thing hoped for. What do you hope for? Do you hope for anything? I wonder if maybe we no longer live in a time where to hope is enough. Hope. I met someone this year, an Indigenous climate activist and academic, and she spoke of how she no longer had hope, but that she had courage and that she refused to be afraid. So maybe that's you too. But for others amongst us, hope is not something from which we can part. In the words of the writer Rebecca Solnit, your opponents would love you to believe that it's hopeless and that you have no power and that there's no reason to act because you can't win. But hope is a gift you do not have to surrender and hope is a power you do not have to throw away. Now is not the time to despair. Now is the time to act. The light shines in the darkness where, let me show you, let me show you, thousands of school kids taking to the streets of Australia demanding action on climate change, tiny kids and teenagers weeping with courage and fury. The light shines in the darkness where, let me show you, thousands of students pouring out of classrooms in the US demanding action to stem the current epidemic of gun violence. There they were, do you remember? It wasn't that long ago, their beautiful tear-streaked faces standing up to the public apathy. They stood before the world's media and their own politicians and their own families and they demanded change. The light shines in the dark. Where else? Where else? This year we had our current Prime Minister stand up and say these words, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker. There were silenced voices, muffled cries in the darkness, unacknowledged tears, the tyranny of invisible suffering. The never-heard pleas of tortured souls bewildered by an indifference to the unthinkable theft of their innocence. Mr Speaker, today Australia confronts this trauma, this abomination hiding in plain sight for far too long. Today, Mr Speaker, we confront a question too horrible to ask, let alone answer. Why weren't the children of our nation loved and nurtured? 
and protected. This year, in the form of a national apology to the victims of institutional abuse, we said sorry to all those who experienced darkness where there should only have been light. And this year too, we said, me too and not in my name. And this year, conjoined twins from a mountain land far away were separated with such, such tenderness and skill and with such international love that it made us all stop and draw breath. The light shines in the dark. And this week, the Pope told his priests to hand themselves over to the police if they had committed abuse. Let me say that again. The Pope told his priests to hand themselves over and this week, activists watched the unfolding drama of multiple strategies against the Adani coal mine appear to finally be having an impact. The light shines in the dark. We know that for many of us there is a fundamental anxiety present within and without. And we know that for many of us there seems to be no balm of Gilead or still quiet waters and no deep peace. And we know that as a people and as a culture, we attempt to deal with this anxiety through consumption and addiction and denial and insular self-protected bunkering down into our own comfort zones. We know all this. But what today's Christmas story from the Gospel of John gives us is the truth that everything is connected from the beginning. We have all been one. And because of this, we cannot as spiritual teacher and grief walker Stephen Jenkinson says, we cannot just settle down because our world is in crisis. And this is not the time for the okay people to just keep on being okay and leaving it there. To do that, that is a dereliction of duty. Instead, the okay amongst us have to actively and proactively get down into the stuff of life and be the light. Reflecting on this interconnectedness of all things, the writer Maria Popova writes, everything, the rings of Saturn, my father's wedding band, the underbelly of the clouds pinked by the rising sun, Einstein's brain bathing in a jar of flamidahide, every grain of sand that made the glass that made the jar, and each idea Einstein ever had. The shepherdess singing in the Rilla Mountains of my native Bulgaria and each one of her sheep. Every hair on Chance's velveteen dog ears and Marianne Moore's red braid and the whiskers of Montaigne's cat. Every translucent fingernail on my friend Amanda's newborn son. Every stone with which Virginia Woolf filled her coat pockets before wading into the river house to drown. Every copper atom composing the disc that carried the arias aboard the first human-made object to enter interstellar space and every oak splinter on the floorboards onto which Beethoven collapsed into the fit of fury that cost him his hearing, the wetness of every tear that has ever been wept over a grave and the yellow of the beak of every raven that has ever watched the weepers, every cell in Galileo's fleshy finger, and every molecule of gas and dust that made the moons of Jupiter to which it pointed all the facts, and the figments by which we are perpetually figuring and reconfiguring reality, it all banged into being 13.8 billion years ago. From a single source, no louder than the opening note of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, no larger than the dot levitating over the small eye, everything. How can we know all this and still 
succumb to the illusion of separateness, of otherness. The Gospel of John speaks of how in the beginning, in the dark and in the light, all things came into being. What more do we need to know? Perhaps just this. This being something that we cannot hear in words but can only experience in our bodies. This love, this holiness present in a newborn baby. For God so loved the world that God came to be one of us in a completely unexpected and vulnerable and risky way. Come and see the Christ child. Come and see what is possible. Behold the child.